my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Amen. You can be seated. Alma's got some songs ready for us this evening. So Alma, you come around and sing for us. Saturday, I'm playing at my um, uncle's um, memorial service, and my aunt requested two particular songs to play, so I'll let you guys be my guinea pigs here. All right. I come to the garden
Thank you so much, Alma. Appreciate the good singing tonight. All right. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles tonight to the book of Micah. Micah chapter number four. Micah chapter number four. I got a couple things I want to mention real quick. Uh, number one, I thank the Lord all the time for our youth 
stepping up. Amen? And uh, I had Andrew pray tonight, but Andrew has been helping me teach my Sunday school class, and I'm not trying to point him out or embarrass him, but, uh, and he's just been doing a great job, and so I appreciate that, and the Lord using our young people, amen, in different ways around, so I'm thankful that he's stepping up and helping me with that. What a blessing that is. And then on Saturday, on Saturday, over at Duval's Lawn and Garden, they're having a big open house event, but the reason I mention it is not to promote Duval's Lawn and Garden, okay? Sorry, that didn't, shameless plug, right? No, but, uh, but our youth group is going to have uh, funnel cakes, and where's Luke? What else? Snow cones, thank you. Funnel cakes and snow cones. So they'll be there, and whatever you, someone donated all of the uh, ingredients and all the stuff. So whatever you pay for the snow cone or give for the snow cone and the funnel cake, if you go out there and get that, all of that will go to the youth group, and that's on Saturday. I think it's from like 10 to 3 or something. 8 to 3. Okay, so even longer than I thought. So there you go. So uh, we appreciate that, and Luke's kind of stepping up and helping with that, making sure that all runs good. So if you can help Luke and Gabby, they might need a little more help. Yes. So there you go. All right. Okay, enough of that stuff. Turn with me, if you would, to Micah chapter number four. Micah chapter number four. I want to just preach for a few moments tonight uh, on this one chapter that's in the middle of this book and speak about uh, the future kingdom, the kingdom that is to come, that this book talks about, that the Word of God speaks about often, uh, and talk about it as we look at it in prophecy as we think about it in light of other books as well, uh, and things like that. But i got a couple of things that I want to use uh, with it and go along as we preach this this evening. But uh, we're going to start there in Micah chapter 4, verse number 1. Stand with me if you would, if you've got that in, in your uh, place in your Bible. And let's start right there. Micah chapter 4, verse number 1, the Word of God says, But in the last days... It shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. And many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths, for the law shall go forth of Zion." And the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. And they shall beat their, their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and none shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. For all people will walk every one in the name of his God, and we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity once again to open up the word of God. We are thankful for the truth of its pages and, and just all that it speaks to us. Dear Lord, it's overwhelming sometimes when we come to it and, and we see that it is 
touching our life on every single level. And dear Lord, I pray that uh, we would always be uh, just uh, absolutely in awe of the Word of God. That we would come to it every day saying, Lord, feed us what we need for today and just be satisfied with what you give us and be amazed that you have that ability to do that all the days of our life. But then, dear God, you have the ability to do that for all of eternity. For those who have trusted you, we will be satisfied in you for all of eternity. Lord, what a, what a truth. What, what just so many things. But dear God, tonight, as we take a few moments and consider uh, the kingdom to come, we pray, dear God, that you would just use it in our hearts tonight. I know that, dear God, we, it, it is not something that we really think about too often. Dear God, there's some, some things that we need from it, I believe, tonight. So help us, we pray. Use your word in a mighty way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It's pretty interesting to me, if you were to go back just a few pages in your Bible, well, quite a few pages, really, but if you were to go back to Isaiah chapter number 2, and you can turn there if you like. I'm going to read it as soon as I find it. Uh, but you can go there if you, if you like tonight. But if you were to go back to Isaiah chapter number 2, you're going to notice that if you read what we just read, you're going to start in verse number 2 of chapter 2. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways, and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nations, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. And so you see that those two passages there are so very similar. I point those two out to remind you that all throughout the prophets and the minor prophets, they consistently speak about the future kingdom that is to come. They're constantly giving us pictures. They are constantly giving us descriptions of what that future kingdom will be like. They tell us things that, that, uh, that will be and that will happen, beautiful things, things that are, that are just absolutely wonderful. And I believe it is very important, and it is not my intention tonight to go through and necessarily study all of those and try to pick all of those apart. I'm hoping to pique your interest enough that you would do that for yourself. But at the same time, as we look at those two examples, I want us to think about what the Word of God is telling us about those last days, about the time when Jesus Christ sets up His kingdom on this earth, of what it will look like, how we will interact with those things. There is a lot of speculation that goes in to what those days will be like. We've probably read lots of things that speculate on what different things mean and how they look uh, and what will be the, the situation and all of those things. And I want us to remember that it is good for us to be careful when we 
speculate with the things that the Bible doesn't talk about, right? The Bible is clear on the things that it's clear on, but there's a lot of things that he leaves pretty vague. And I think that it's important for us, while we can speculate a little bit, it's important for us to make our focus on the things that he does talk about. I'm going to do that just here in a moment. But what I actually want to do tonight is I want to turn this around just a little bit. I actually want to make my application first. I do want to make sure that we have a little bit of an understanding of what's being spoken of in the verses that we read. We know that in the book of Micah, when we go through chapters 1, 2, and 3, we know that Micah is bringing a rebuke to God's people, uh, to the children of Israel specifically. But then, just as it is with so many of our prophets, then he goes in to speak of the fact that there will be restoration, that there will be uh, uh, newness that will come to them. And just as it is with so much of the prophets, it speaks of the fact that the nation of Israel will be restored to the land, but also it speaks about the future kingdom that is to come. And as we enter into chapter 4 and verse number 1, there is no doubt that he is speaking about the fact of way down the road, the fact that Jesus Christ is going to rule and reign. That there, and there's quite a few things about that that speak to it because it speaks about a universal kingdom. And he says in verse number 2, and many nations shall come. He's not just talking about the nation of Israel that's going to find its refuge in, in Zion or in Jerusalem. He's talking about the fact that there's going to be many nations that come in and out. And this is speaking specifically about that, uh, the end times and those days. And then he starts speaking about those things and, uh, and how there's going to be no more war anywhere. And all of those things lead us to that. And I'm going to get there in a minute. But it's a beautiful passage of Scripture. And as he looks at it, I just want to point out one thing. Let's look at verse number one. And I just want to point out one thing, that, that there's no way that we could jump into all of the depth of it, but maybe it'll pique your interest to where you'll study it for yourself, or maybe it'll send you in a different direction. I don't know. But he says, but in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow unto it. If, you were to, if we know anything about the culture and the, and the time of the book of Micah and the, and the ancient times that were there, the best cities were up on a hill. They were going to be well fortified. It was going to be a nice way for you to make sure that your city was safe and sound, was that you could make it on a hill. And not only did you make it on a hill, but then you built the wall around it as well. So that up on top of the hill, you had a wall around your city and everything was safe. And so if you found a place where you could build your city up on a plateau or up on a hill like that, you had found a good spot. Here he talks about the fact that this city, this city that is God's city or this city that is the place where Jesus Christ, and he doesn't use it specifically, but... He's speaking about that, and you can keep on going through. But this place that they will rule is a mountain that's in the mountain. It's got all of the things that it needs. It shall be established in the top of the mountains. It's not only on the hill. It's at the top of all the hills. It's the best place that you can find of any. This is the place that you want it to be. 
And when we think about the fact of the new Jerusalem and what God has in store for God's people and what that city will be, it will be the safest and the most secure city that has ever been. I'm thankful that when we get saved and we enter into that, we ain't coming out, right? I mean, we're just safe and sound. And, and all of those things are true. But then he says this. He says that the people flow in and out of it. If you were to look at a city in those days, they would have really struck gold if they found a place in a plateau or in a mountain that had a spring in it. If they found all that stuff and they built a wall around it, they had something that could last them. Even if the siege came for years or months or whatever, they had a spring in there. They had a place that had flowing water so that they had something that would satisfy them and make sure that all of their needs were met. When you look at this and you talk about the fact of what we see in numerous different accounts, and like I said, we don't have time to go through all of these. I feel like I'm already taking too much time on just this little one. The fact that we see the new Jerusalem, a city coming down, we know that in that new Jerusalem, there is Jesus Christ himself, who is a fountain of living water that never runs dry. And if you drink of that fountain, you'll never thirst again. So inside of the very city that he already talks about, that there is a river that is flowing like crystal and it's got all of these amazing things about it. This is, it is a sure fast to those people reading this. This was the place they wanted to go, right? It had everything they needed. Isn't that interesting? I want you to think about that. I don't want that to leave your mind. It was a place they wanted to go. Okay? I want to be there. The kingdom of heaven, when it comes in all of its glory, will be a place that is safe. Will be a place. These are the things for these people that are the most important things. Safety. That it is a place that the water will always be there when we need it. These things were important to them. And he speaks of it. That's just one tiny thing, okay? I don't even want to get into all of the stuff about gardens, about cities, the differences between them. But I'm telling you, the, the Word of God is so deep. The Word of God it has so much going on in it that... I'll tell you, it will satisfy you. It will bring you to places. This might not be piquing your interest tonight, but I'm telling you, there's something in the description of the new heaven and the new earth that will make you say, I want to go there. Okay? There's something. There's something. Isn't it amazing how the word of God is that, is that way? How that God satisfies each and every one of us uniquely and individually as we come to Christ and look for, for the fulfillment of it. It is there. It will satisfy us. There's something for all of us. Anyway, I got to keep going. I want to make my application first. And like I said, I, I was just doing a little bit of explaining on one verse, but you can go through and, man, the Lord's got so much in there. I want to do the application and then we'll just kind of make uh, our outline right from the thing. Why is this important? Why is this important for us to study out the future kingdom and for us to have a good and a correct 
understanding of what the future kingdom will be like. I was listening to one of my favorite preachers not too long ago, and he was talking about the fact that, you know, as he was a kid growing up, and he was listening to all of the, you know, the people that would preach, he said the idea that started to come into his mind that, you know, one day we're going to die and go to heaven, and we're going to walk in the pearly gates, and Paul's going to welcome us in, and we're going to sit on clouds and play harps in our robes all day, and we're going to, you know, sing praises to Jesus, which sounds okay. He said, but I can tell you, as a boy of 12 years old, I had no desire to sit around and play a harp all day long. And let's just face it, I too have no desire <laughs> to sit around and play a harp all day long. I need a correct view of what the new heaven and the new earth will look like. It matters. Why does it matter? Because we want people to want to go there. Amen? If you don't know what it's going to be like, how are you going to convince anybody that that's where they should be? Amen? How are you going to know at all whether to speak about it? What if somebody asked you just plainly, why should I go to heaven? What's going to be so great about heaven? What would you say to them? Oh, all your loved ones will be there. Maybe they say, I don't like any of my loved ones. <laughs> I am not in a hurry to see my family. Who knows what they're going to say? We have to have more reasons. But here's the thing. When we have biblical reasons, there's something that God's put in there. I'm going to speak to somebody. Now, so the first one that I want, as I'm making the application, we need to still be in awe of what the Word of God is speaking about the new heaven and the new earth. As I was reading these things and looking them over and, and, and looking at these passages of Scripture, there was a few things that were really intriguing to me. He says in verse number 2, And many nations shall come, and come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and to the house of God. Now notice this, And he will teach us of his ways. You ever feel, you ever, and I'm just being careful, I'm just trying to give you some Bible tonight. You ever get that thing, well, well, when we get to heaven, we'll know all about it, right? Well, right here he's saying he's going to teach us of his ways. There will still be some understanding that God is willing to impart to me. In the new heaven and in the new earth, I, I'm not going to explain it all, and I'm not going to jump into all this, and I don't want you... Are, you know, I'm not trying to pick a fight with anybody that's like, no, Mike, you go to heaven, you're going to have perfect understanding. Well, maybe you will, maybe you won't. If you can show me those verses that'll tell me you have perfect understanding, go right ahead. But I'm showing you out of this one right here, that in this place, that we are going to come into the house of God and he's going to teach us of his ways. He's going to show us things that, that, that are important to us, that are needful for us. And he says this, And to the house of God of Jacob, he will teach us his ways, and we will walk in his paths. We will walk in his paths. I believe that as we come into this place, there's still going to be some things, and I, I, don't, even, I don't want to use the word jobs or, or assignments, but I think there will be some things for us to do. I think there will still be purpose for us as believers. I think that as we sit there 
And I, again, it's a little bit of speculation and I'm trying to be so careful about making it. But I also believe that as he comes in here and shows us of how amazing he is, that maybe we just want to go back. To, it's a new heaven and a new earth. The earth will be redeemed and it'll be here. We'll have, I think there's going to be places to go. I think we'll be able to see things of, of the earth the way that it should be. And even in the garden, the way that it should be, Adam had work to do, didn't he? He tended the garden. He had purpose. I mean, his job couldn't have been too tough, right? I mean, there really wasn't any thorns or thistles yet, right? But at the same time, he had a work. He had, he had purpose. He had something that brought him some meaning. And when I look at these things, I see that God has us coming and going out of the holy city of Jerusalem. He has us learning and he has us going. And I believe for me, that just, that speaks to me. Because if you know me, I like to learn stuff. I do. I like to find out something new and gain that knowledge and that information and, uh, and then impart it to other people as well. I love that. It, it gives me joy, and, and he's, anyway, i got to keep going. Being inspired, because this is not the only passage. You can keep going throughout the minor prophets and find these things to true. Okay, number two in our application. We ought to be in awe of the Word of God still, in awe of this story, finding new things constantly. That's good. Number two, it makes it relevant. It makes it relevant. You know what? One of the things, and this is, uh, and, and I'm going to, I'm kind of jumping a little bit ahead, but I'll hit these points as we go along as well. You know, uh, when we talk about heaven and when we hear a lot of the songs uh, from the past that speak about heaven and talk about going there, we talk about our trials and troubles being over and we talk about how, yeah, even, and they're good songs. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking any of those songs. I'm just, I'm going to point out something that's true and that's, that has to do with us culturally, that has to do with the time that we live in as well. We also hear a lot of songs that talk about, and it's a great song, and I'm not, please don't get me wrong here, I'm not knocking it. I've got a mansion over the hilltop, and we sing that song, and people love that song, and it's wonderful. But those songs speak to those from a generation, or in a way from a bygone era, where people were going through much more trials than we are going through, and also experienced a lot more poverty than we experience in our present day and time. Because some of you in here already live in a mansion. Oh, sorry. Sorry to let you know that. But what we do, we've got beautiful homes. We live in very good places. We have all of the comforts. And so we talk about those things but that's not relevant to the society that we live in. They hear us sing those songs and they go, well, see, they want more of this world. That's what they want. They don't, they're not worried about getting to heaven and being rich. They're rich now. Why does that appeal to them? But here's the thing. When we come to the word of God, 
and find out exactly what the new kingdom is going to be like and the new heaven and the new earth and all of those things. We don't become less relevant. We become more relevant to the culture and to the people that are going through things right now. You say, Mike, how does that work out? Well, we speak to the things that are going on in their life. As a matter of fact, boy, this, this, this sermon is exploding into a whole lot more than I thought. Let's go down to verse number 5. For all people will walk everyone in the name of his God, which is what is occurring now. And we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Now listen, as a matter of fact, if we jumped all the way over to verse number 5, he's talking about the same things. And I keep going to this passage of scripture over and over in here because it is awesome. Uh, verse number 13 of chapter number 5. Thy graven images also will I cut off, and thy standing images out of the midst of thee, and thou shalt no more worship the work of thine hands. When we see what the new heaven and the new earth is about, the fact that those that want to be in it, they can't bring their gods there. They can't bring the works that they make with hands and their phony gods the things that they try to make in the image of God that don't satisfy, I'm telling you, we just ain't got the time to stop on that one and park. But we become very relevant to a world that is working very, very hard at making gods for themselves, and they're good at it. We live in a country right now, and they are experts at making gods out of everything. The most goofiest things in the world our country can make a god out of. They can. It doesn't matter what it is. I mean, and I, and I got in trouble one time for kind of making fun of this before, but I mean, you see these people that go cycling and like they've taken that to the extreme. Have you seen the things they wear and the things they do and how far they go and all that? And it's like, if I can make it a god, I'm going to make it a god. We got too much time on our hands, right? Whether it be something like that or even something as small as, and like I said, I'm not trying to pick on certain things, but those that get just consumed with sports or with hobbies or whatever they are. And here, I mean, it's, it's, it, it'll blow your mind, right? It'll, it will absolutely blow your mind. The things that we get consumed and make a God out of. We're, we're experts at it. And this speaks to the world that they're living in. Those things... Those things don't last. We become more relevant. And that's just one example of how we can speak to the culture and speak to how far it's going to be different. And I'm going to mention those in just a little bit because it's all wound up in the end. So we become relevant. And then the other thing, too, as you study the Word of God and find out about that, you become persuaded of what the new heaven and the new earth will be like. And all of a sudden, you... You, and I don't, want to, I don't want to use this word necessarily, but you make a better argument when you are persuaded. And that's okay if you're persuaded by the word of God. Amen? That's okay then. Okay? If, you're, if you have been in the word of God and the truth comes of it, and you bring that conviction from the word of God, it's okay to be persuaded of that. Because Paul said, I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. That's a good persuasion. Amen? And he can argue that one from the word of God. And so we should be the same way. To where that we can speak confidently 
and with full authority of the word of God, of the things that we believe that are going to be coming in the new heaven and the new earth. Man, there's so much in here, but we just got to keep. So here's, a, here's three things. So I made the application. You've already got the application part. This is why this should apply to us. This is why we should bring this in. Then right out of this passage of scripture, I just want to give you three little things out of the outline that I think are important. Notice these beautiful passages of scripture that absolutely are wonderful. The first thing that I want you to notice, it says in verse number three, and he shall judge among many people, rebuke the strong nations afar off, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. In the new heaven and the new earth, there will be peace. There will be peace. I haven't even gotten into this, but as we speak about this coming kingdom, you know Jesus Christ, who is the king of this kingdom. He spoke about this more than anybody else. If you go and you read through the, the Gospels, Jesus Christ is constantly talking about the kingdom. As a matter of fact, when he shows up on the scene, the first thing that he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. Don't got time to talk about it. But if you're going to have a kingdom, it has to have a king. Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And when he establishes his kingdom, he will accomplish what no one else can accomplish, and that's peace. Peace. Again, I'm using this one carefully, and I'm not going to spend too much time. This is one that's difficult for us to relate to people that we come into contact with. We live in relative peace in our country. Even for the years that I've been growing up and been in this country, when our country has been at war, the war has never been at my door, right? I have lived in pretty much peace. I can tell you that while I praise the Lord for that peace that will come one day, and I look at this passage of scripture and I'm thankful for it, I still believe I do not have a full understanding of how wonderful and how marvelous that will be. Can you imagine for the people of ancient times who war was ever prevalent, who if they lived outside of the walls of the city were probably constantly wondering who was coming around the corner. Could that be the Assyrian army? Could that be the Babylonians that are going to come and raid and plunder our village and take our children and take our livestock and leave us with nothing? This was what they lived in. So the idea for them of peace was so important. But at the same time, there are those among us who peace seems like they cannot attain it either. Whether it's because their mind is constantly badgered or bothered by, uh, by disease because we have those things that bother people in their mind and in their heart. And if they could feel that and understand that Christ is bringing peace, it might speak to them. But he's going to bring peace. He is going to bring peace. No one else can do it. Jesus Christ can do it. This is what we do long for inside of who we are. I don't have, I'm not going to talk much about it because I want to get to the last one. Number one is peace. We see that in verse number three. Number 
Two is provision, verse number four. But, and I, these are beautiful pictures too. I love the poetry of it. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. And none shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. That is just a beautiful picture of the idea of someone who has plenty. He sits under his vine and he sits under his fig tree. Isn't it nice? Isn't it nice at the end of the day to sit in your spot? You know, does anybody else have their spot? Right? Amen. Brother Harry's got his spot. I got my spot too. And I really like it. And I want a glass of sweet tea right there beside me. You know what I mean? Right? And you want those things right there. And, and, and you, you're satisfied and, and you're, you're, you're just glad to be there. You have been provided for. You know what I did on Christmas Day? We ate a big, huge meal. And I sat down in my spot in the afternoon on Christmas. I took a nap. You know how nice that is? Blessed, happy, full, satisfied. Amen? Sat under my fig tree and, and enjoyed the, just the bounty of what the Lord has done. And my family was all there. And the kids were out playing wiffle ball in the backyard. Because if the more boys get together, they play wiffle ball. You know, that's just what they do. And we sat there and enjoyed. And he speaks about this. And your fig tree might look a whole lot different than my fig tree and your provision. But what he's saying is the fact that when it comes to what God will do, that he has provided and that provision will be there and it's real and it's satisfying and it's good. Isn't that wonderful? We will not lack in heaven. You know that? I know... In, this, in the world, we, we've already talked about it. When we live in such bounty and when we live in such and I, decadence, that's just going to use those words, right? When overabundance in our country, sometimes we get the idea that going to heaven, we're going to miss out on something down here. We will not miss out on anything by being in the presence of God in the new heaven and the new earth. It will satisfy. Trust Him. Amen? Trust Him. It will satisfy. The last one, though, is the one I want to focus on for just a moment. Because I do think that as we bring our application, we bring all of our stuff together, that it is the one that makes it relevant. Okay? The other one that we have here is he says in verse number 5, And we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. It's permanent. Permanent. We can't even grasp that. The kingdom of God will be permanent. Isn't that wonderful? You know, as we move through this life, things change, don't they? We don't like change, do we? We were riding back from graduation this weekend, and man, I'm so proud of David and just what the Lord's doing in his life. And he won the Lee Robertson Christian Ministry Award, and just, you know, what a blessing. What a blessing. We were just, I, you know, I was proud. I'm just going to admit it, okay? I was proud. I had a big smile on my face, and I might have even cried a little bit. Amen? But just... Thanking the Lord for that. But as we were driving back, this song came on the radio. 
that was talking about your little kids and how they're not going to be that way anymore. Isn't that stupid? Because even though, you know, I joke all the time, let's get them out of the house, there's still aspects of that that, that we miss, right? Because nothing's permanent here. We are constantly changing the next phase to the next cycle. It's an interesting thing that we long for some permanent joy. And when we get there, it won't ever change. He will create something permanent. And you know what? I think there's a world that needs to hear that. That there is joys never run out. There is hope and peace and satisfaction in Him that will be forever and ever. And I love that the way they put it that way. They will walk in what? The name of the Lord. That's where it's found. You want something that will last and be permanent? Even in this life, right? Why is it that I can watch my children grow up and, and walk out of my house and move to Montana, which in case you're wondering is a long way away, right? A long way away. Because they're walking in the name of the Lord. My heart is filled with joy for that. Not regret. Not like, oh, you need to be here. No. I am thankful that they are in the center of God's will. That they desire it enough that they seek Him out. Not only that, that they would seek Him out. I'm thankful that my God, who never changes, that if they'll seek me, they'll find me too. Same God that's been good to me can see His evidence in their life. And I say, thank you, God, for being the same God to them that you were to me. He's good. He's permanent. Forever, ever. The kingdom of heaven will be permanent. Oh, man. What a joy. What a thrill. How does it apply to your neighbor? How does it apply to your loved one? What is it about heaven that they would want? What is it about heaven that they would want? Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're just going to have every head bowed this evening. We're not even going to have a, a hymn or anything. I just want to let the Word of God sink into our heart tonight. Maybe you do need to come and pray. Hey, don't, don't let the fact there's no music stop you. But if you need to come and pray, let's do that. we can do that as well. And I'm thankful for the minor prophet. How they speak of a place called heaven. How they speak of a dwelling place, a place of peace, a place that's going to be real, a place that satisfies, where every man sits under his own fig tree, because God knows exactly what a God was. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He would give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How Searing loss, the fall.